Welcome to the Come and Examine podcast slash video series. Uh, we're still dealing with the 12 Lies of American Evangelicals, a study done by Crossway Research. Uh, now then, we're here with uh, Pastor Ben Kerfman today. How are you doing, Ben? I'm all right. That's wonderful. Look at that. All right. So for the, uh, for the topic today, we are on um, lie number four, uh, which states, God accepts worship of all religions. Uh, now, it, it appears uh, that this particular study, they, um, they noted that uh, all types of Americans, so different ethnicities, different genders, different ages, everyone, um, most of everyone believe that uh, God accepts both or all three of Christian, Jewish, and Islamic worship. It appears that uh, in this study, half of American evangelicals agree, uh, despite each of these three faiths uh, claiming exclusivity that they are the one true faith. Uh, so, uh, Pastor Ben, what would you have to say from a biblical perspective to the lie, God accepts worship of all religions? That's a good question. I, I think there's a couple different things to address in, in the results that you shared. First, specifically, it mentioned Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. And uh, it, it's understandable why people would think that, because... Those are what we call the three Abrahamic religions. So all three of those religions uh, would agree on kind of the beginning narrative of Scripture in, in like the first uh, five books of the Bible or the Torah. Um, so we understand, like, for instance, the relationship between Isaac and Ishmael, how the descendants, the, the descendants of Ishmael eventually evolved into uh, what's modern Islam. Um, the descendants of Isaac evolved into what is now Judaism. And then Christianity would consider itself an extension of Judaism biblically. And so uh, I can definitely understand how somebody just out in the culture would see similarities between the three of those. For instance, all three of those uh, would recognize that there's only one God. They would be monotheistic religions. Um, they would all recognize uh, Abraham as a patriarch and uh, some, some other similarities in that way. Uh, that divine revelation coming from God, those kind of things. So I can understand why somebody in the culture would confuse uh, the the idea of could those uh, be the same worship. I know it seems like a few years ago there was kind of a trend that was going around online about uh, whether or not uh, uh, Muslims were uh, worshiped the same God mm -hmm. uh, as Christians because they acknowledged that Allah was one God and that uh, he was descended from, or, or that that kind of theology was descended from Scripture, as I said in the beginning. And so there was a, there's a conversation among a lot of pastors online of, you know, well, if it's really the same God that's revealed in Genesis, then doesn't that mean that they're really worshiping the same God? And there was a lot of debate about uh, his attributes uh, compared to Allah's attributes, and are we really talking about the same the same God? So this is not a new question, uh, is the point that I'm making that, that's been going out, and there's been a lot of conversation around it. But specifically, uh, the topic that we're looking at is with worship. So when we're worshiping, uh, does God accept the worship of other religions? Um, there's a couple ways that you could go about that. One way is you could say, yes, um, God does accept the worship of every religion that is worshiping him. So that would be true. The issue is, is that we would argue that uh, anyone who is not worshiping God as he has revealed himself in the way in which he has said is acceptable to him, that uh, he does not receive that worship. Okay. For instance, 
uh, another religion, uh, an animistic religion that sees God in nature or uh, a polytheistic religion like Hinduism or Mormonism, uh, when they define God or, or they offer a prayer or a sacrifice or perform some kind of religious ritual, uh, if the God that they were offering that to existed, then that God would be the one receiving their worship. But as Christians, we believe there's only one God. And so uh, n- you could argue nobody receives that worship because that God doesn't exist. You could argue that a demon receives that worship because that's who they're actually worshiping. You could argue that maybe they themselves are receiving that worship because they're practicing that, for instance, in the a religion of atheism, which is an actual re- religion or secular humanism, um, the self and and the human human ideals uh, receive the worship uh, of good works and uh, sacrifices and things right. like that. So when it comes to uh, the type of worship that God accepts, well, yes, God does accept all worship that is to Him specifically and. Uh, what he is interested in. He accepts those kinds of worship. We would just argue that biblical Christian worship is the only type of worship that's actually doing that, that's worshiping him for who he has revealed himself to be and is also doing it in such a way that he has said is acceptable to him. You got anything else you want to follow up with? I got I got more, but oh, you got more. Uh, let's see what more you got, just to see which direction you were going. I I, okay. I, I appreciated you uh, qualifying um, uh, the uh, Latter Day Saints Mormons as being a polytheistic religion, which they yes. are. Um, yes. So thank you. So thank you for clarifying. Right. That. So so that would be an example. You know, they would say we worship Heavenly Father. We we believe in God. We worship he- Heavenly Father. Um, and uh, somebody would ask, okay, well, if, if they say that they're, they believe the Bible and that they're praying to Heavenly Father and Heavenly Father is mentioned in the Bible, then uh, why would God not receive that worship? And the mm-hmm. answer is is that the Heavenly Father that they believe in isn't the God that has revealed himself in the Bible, and so it's a different God that right. they're worshiping. So God does not receive the worship of other gods. Mm-hmm. The Bible is very clear that he's a jealous God, and so he's not interested in, in any kind of competition, and he, and he's not even going to entertain the idea that there is competition. And I want to point right. that out uh, in Scripture here. Uh, there's a passage here that just, it's one of many in Scripture that, that lays this out, but it's uh, the Lord speaking through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 10, uh, verses 1 through 15, he says, hear the, Lord, hear the word which the Lord speaks to you, all house of Israel. Thus says the Lord. So this is not Jeremiah, this is coming from God. Right. Do not learn the way of the nations, and do not be terrified by the signs of the heavens, although the nations are terrified by them. For the customs of the people are a delusion, because it is wood cut from the forest to the work of the hands of a craftsman with a cutting tool. They decorate it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers, so that it will not totter. Like a scarecrow in a cucumber field are they, and they cannot speak. They must be carried, because they cannot walk. Do not fear them, for they can do no harm, nor can they do any good. There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and great is your name and might. Who would not fear you, O King of the nations? Indeed, it is your due. For among all the wise men of the nations, and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. But they are altogether stupid and foolish. In their discipline of delusion, their idol is wood. Beaten silver is brought from Tarshish, and gold from Uphaz. The work of a craftsman and of the hands of a goldsmith. Violet and purple are their clothing. They are all the work of skilled men. But the Lord is the true God. 
He is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath the earth quakes, and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Thus you shall say to them, The gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding he has stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there is a tumult of water in the heavens, and he causes the clouds to ascend from the end of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain, and he brings out the wind from his storehouses. Every man is stupid, devoid of knowledge. Every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols, for his molten images are deceitful, and there is no breath in them. They are worthless, a work of mockery. In the time of their punishment, they will perish. So if you wonder how God feels about other gods competing against him, that gives you an idea. He says that other gods aren't real, Mm -hmm. that they have no power to do anything, that anyone who thinks that they do, that they do is stupid, and that he considers the fine craftsmanship that people use to make these articles to be stupid. The Lord just has no no patience and no tolerance for any kind of competition because, uh, as the prophet Jeremiah makes clear here, uh, every other religion, every other god is something that is fashioned by the, either the imagination or the hands or both of men. Okay. It's something that's fashioned by us. God is not fashioned by us. He's not dependent on us. The mm-hmm. The true revealed God of the Bible uh, has nothing to prove. And so uh, he is not threatened or concerned about other idols. He simply just calls people stupid who believe in something other than him. Wow. That That's how he feels about it. That's how he's uh, revealed it. So the, so. That is where God stands with the worship of, of others. But one of the points that I want to make in this question, because the question is, does God receive the worship of other religions? I would argue that not only does God not receive the worship of other religions, but he doesn't even receive the worship of a lot of Christians, which is going to sound controversial to some people. And what do I mean by that? What I mean is this same God who has some very high criticism of other religions, other gods, other forms of worship, uh, who, who does not mind to mock and ridicule and satirize them, uh, is the same God who does not tolerate inappropriate worship even from his own people. And I want to point out a, a couple of examples of that. One, uh, if you go and you read in Leviticus chapter 10, you'll read about Nadab and Abihu. These are the sons of the priest Aaron who offered what the Scripture calls strange fire on the Lord's altar. There was a specific type of fire that God has said, this is the way that I want you to get this fire, and this is how I want you to use it in my sacrifices. They got wise and thought that they had a better idea of how to worship God than what God had specifically told them to do. And so they brought strange fire. And it says that when they brought that strange fire, that the fire came out of the altar and burned them up before the Lord. And that when... Aaron was concerned about it. Moses basically told him to keep his mouth shut and that the Lord had, had done what he, what he had done. And so there was no defense for them who brought him false worship. So these are Israelites. These are God's people. They were not worshiping a pagan God when they were doing this. They just thought that they had a better idea than God did about how he wanted to be worshiped, and they, they were killed. God did not ex- receive their worship. So not only does he not receive the worship of people uh, outside of his covenant people, but even within the church, he does not receive worship that is not the worship that he has prescribed. Mm -hmm. Now, somebody that's listening to this uh, is going to say, 
Well, yeah, but that was in the Old Testament. That was with Israel. That's not in the New Testament. So I'm going to give you a New Testament example. In 1 Corinthians 11, whenever we take the Lord's Supper here at Barberville, we read this passage, and Paul warns them that when they come to the Lord's table, when they take communion together, that they need to examine themselves, and that they need to make sure that they're not coming and eating and drinking in an unworthy manner, that uh, the Lord's Supper is not supposed to be a party, it's not supposed to be people getting drunk, it's not supposed to be people taking advantage of one another, it's not supposed to be people who are not dealing with their sin that are coming. It's not supposed to be unbelievers that are coming. There's a lot of specific things Paul lists out in there. But the point is the same point uh, in Leviticus that God has said, when you come to worship me in this way, there's a certain way that I want you to do that. There's a certain attitude and behavior that I want you to have. And Paul warns them, some of you are sick and some of you are asleep. In other words, some of you are, are dead because you didn't do what God said because you didn't listen. So that's not an Old Testament example. That's a New Testament example. And so we would argue that while the Lord doesn't, uh, we don't hear a voice from heaven every Sunday that tells us exactly what songs we need to sing or what uh, scripture we need to preach out of, there is some freedom there, but it's only only the freedom uh, that God allows. The way I explain it to people in a practical way is, you think about your birthday party. Most people have had a birthday party, or they have one for their kids. Uh, usually when you do a birthday for, party for somebody, the emphasis of that party is on that person. It's their birthday. So what do they like? What, what do they want the theme of the party to be? What kind of food do they want to be there? Uh, what kind of music or entertainment are things that they enjoy? Uh, if you bring them a gift, is it going to be a gift that they're going to really enjoy, or is it something that you like? Well, you don't really do that uh, when you go to a birthday party. The emphasis right. is on that person. It's their special day. And so you want them to have everything that they want on their special day. That's one of the reasons why we celebrate birthday parties. And I would argue that the point that the Lord makes all throughout Scripture is, is that the Lord's day on Sunday, that's His day. That's His special day. Mm-hmm. And when we come together and celebrate as a people, it's His party. And He gets to decide what He wants at His party. And so instead of... Uh, the modern church fighting over what style of music they want to have or what Bible translation they want to preach out of or uh, what the building looks like or any of those other kind of things. The only way that you get into those kind of arguments is when you stop asking what pleases Jesus. When it becomes your party, then everybody gets their own opinion and they disagree with each other. When it's his party, is is Jesus going to be okay with what we're saying and doing here according to Scripture, not my feelings and what I've crafted Jesus to be in my heart, but according to his word, what's going to be pleasing to him. And so I think uh, when we see the warnings in the Old Testament and the New Testament about the worship of God, it's easy to point the finger at a Muslim or a Buddhist or a Hindu or a Jewish person or an atheist or, or somebody from another religion. It's easy to point the finger at them and say, well, God obviously doesn't hear their worship. But the question is, when you go in on Sunday morning and you sing a song, or you put an, a, a monetary offering in the plate, or you offer a prayer, or you sit under the teaching of the Word, or you serve in the church in some capacity, the question is, is he receiving your worship? We can't question other people. Uh, the Lord has made it clear uh, that of what he does and doesn't receive. I can't answer for my neighbor. I can't answer for whether God receives their worship, but I can answer for me. And so I think the takeaway for that is uh, the simple answer to the question, does God receive the worship of other religions? The answer is no. 
but I would urge you as a Christian who's listening to this to make sure that he's receiving your worship because just because you're a Christian or you're a member of a church or you're born again does not mean that he receives your worship. And if you want God to bless your church, if you want him to bless your life, then you need to offer him the worship that he said that he wants and and do, do it for him the way that he wants and not being concerned about our own preferences, but being concerned about his preferences of what he wants. Wow. Well, thank you very much for make, uh, for making that more personal application to what what are we doing, regardless of um, other religions with other names, what are we doing personally uh, on the worship of the Lord on Sundays? What are we doing to um, to make what we're doing acceptable to God? N- not not what are we doing that's comfortable, not, not doing whatever we're used to, but doing what God requires of us. So th- th- thank, thank you for clarifying that. Um, well, th- that, that, I believe that was a good explanation of that. Thank you for clarifying that for us. Uh, that's the end of this episode. Uh, we will see you next time. Thank you.